in the, in the rack in, in front of you. This is an Old Testament, toward the end of the Old Testament, sometimes called one of the minor prophets, outside of the book of Jonah. We don't really know a whole lot about this prophet, but he was mentioned in one of the early, earlier books of the Old Testament, and also he was mentioned by Jesus Christ. We have that in the Gospels. Now, before I actually get into this particular study uh, today, uh, we recently looked at Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. In fact, I mentioned that there really were two prodigals. There was the one that a lot of the focus has been upon uh, in Christian circles, the prodigal who went to his father and wanted to go in a far country and live it up and sow his wild oats, and then he came back to his father. His father accepted him. But there was another um, wayward son, though not always understood as wayward he was, and he characterized the religious people that particular time. He was the older son who was very critical that his repentant brother was going to have all this excitement and party uh, he just couldn't understand, filled with jealousy and rage. Now, do keep this in mind. There are different what we call genres of literature in the Bible. There's history, there's poetry, there's eschatology or apocalyptic literature. There's various and sundry things. In, in the New Testament, in some sections, we have what are called parables. Jesus taught the use of parables to try to convey spiritual truth. So he took something like a story, and it was not what we call an actual event that took place, but these were earthly stories that people could understand, and then he taught spiritual truths to them. That was a frequent pattern of Jesus' teaching that we have recorded in the New Testament, not that there aren't any parables anywhere else. But when we come to this particular book in the Old Testament, Jonah, this is not a parable. It's not just a story for the sake of a story. This is actually something that had happened. It's a real character, a real, a real prophet of God who was called and commissioned to go to a city which was the main city uh, of the nation of Assyria, and the city was called Nineveh. But he was too stubborn to obey, and I'm hoping that there is no one here under the sound of my voice is too stubborn to obey the Lord. But we're going to learn some things, and we're going to be reminded that it's not the right way to go. When God tells you what to do, you ought to do it, all right? And I'll mention that in just a few moments. But before I do, uh, there was someone some time ago who wrote this little synopsis of the book of Jonah, We'll actually get to read the passage itself, but this is how this little song goes. God told Jonah to go down to Nineveh, that wicked town. But Jonah didn't want to go. He did not want to go where he was sent. And then a big fish came along to show old Jonah he was wrong. And after that ordeal, he changed his mind and went. 
When God tells you what to do, you'd better do it. You'd better do it. You'd better do it. It doesn't pay to disobey. That's all there's to it. Like old Jonah, you'll find out the hard, hard way. Now, I haven't interacted with our organist and our pianist, but maybe we can come up with the music to that. We can sing that sometime in this particular series. But the truth is that God wants us to obey him. And here's a prophet who initially was reluctant to obey. So would you at least follow along or listen as I read Jonah chapter 1? After I read this, we'll have a brief word of prayer. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man, unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Rise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come. And let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth in the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish 
three days and three nights. All right, let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. And this uh, is just an amazing account of a prophet that was reluctant to follow you. Please, dear God, help us to learn these lessons and help us to have a heart that always wants to obey you, not to run the opposite direction. May there be there be your presence here. May your spirit work. If there could be someone, if there is someone here today that's straying away from you, I pray that today they come back to you and uh, just surrender their heart to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The question that I pose on the sheet there that needs to be at least thought about, rhetorical question, can a believer, that is somebody who is truly a believer in God or a believer in Jesus, can a believer run from God? Though we know that no one can ever truly hide from God, for God is omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he knows. There are times when God's children refuse to obey God's will. And this is the case with Jonah. God had clearly given to Jonah, this prophet, an assignment to go to Nineveh. Jonah flatly refused to obey. Uh, someone said this, he was supposed to take the next eastbound flight to Nineveh. So what was Jonah doing on the westbound flight to Tarshish? He went the opposite direction. And his disobedience brought God's hand of chastening. Now just the broad picture, this is there is a picture here, of course, that the nation of Israel had an irresponsibility of being a light to the Gentile nations, the pagan nations. And they were supposed to be that light. They didn't always respond the way they should, and they were not that bright light the way God intended. So this particular very brief book is actually, in some respects, a picture of the nation of Israel that was reluctant to follow God's will and being a light to the nations all around about them. But in more particular, we have this prophet of God who's commissioned to go to a city in quite a distance away, a very large city that was fully pagan, filled with idolatry, and you name it. I'll touch on this just a little bit later on, but Assyria, the Ninevites, were arch enemies of the Israelite people. So don't, in some respects, be too harsh on Jonah, because this was a very tough assignment, which we will spend a little bit of time as we work through this. I want you, though, to see if you have your handout sheet there, you see this word proposition. This is the truth I, I want to leave with you, and that is, Choose to always obey God. Always, completely obey God. Not partial obedience. Remember, remember about Saul who partially obeyed. No, he wants complete obedience. And make that a choice of your life day by day as you re come into forks in the road. What does God want? What does Jesus want? What does the scriptures say? Always obey God. And I hope you've made that 
a resolve of your life, not just a New Year's resolution, not because, just because of an emergency situation, but you really do want to obey God. Now, in what situations, lack of a better word, in what situations should an individual obey God? First of all, when the message is clearly from the Lord. You, I'm sure you heard this or saw this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. This is a message that came from the Lord. It was not a message that came solely from a human. It wasn't just from a friend. It was not some subjective feeling that came across Jonah. This was a very clear message that had come from the Lord. Now, pause here for, for those of you that know the Bible. I know this is very basic, but it's, it's important to understand that God used different means to communicate his messages to people in, in biblical times. And there were times when God sent angels to bring messengers, messages to people, both the Old Testament and New Testament. Angel came to Joseph uh, when it wasn't too long in which his Mary was going to give birth to Jesus, an angel came, assured him it was actually going to happen, that Jesus would be born. The angel came and warned Joseph of some of the dangers of living in that particular area. The angels came when the birth of Jesus was there, and on and on. We could. So there were times when angels, God used angels to communicate the message to mankind. And not to detract from the importance of that, in this case, this was a message that God brought directly from William, directly to the prophets. And there were times when the prophets had messages brought directly to them. Now, I am aware of the fact there's some people who feel as though God's still doing that today. And they say, God spoke to me. Uh, be cautious about that. If they're saying, God spoke to me, he spoke to me through his word, okay, but there's some people that just had too much pepperoni pizza the night before, and they hear some voices, and it's really not God who's speaking. I can assure you when Jonah got this message, it came from the Lord. It was not solely human. This message was directed to Jonah, not to the other prophets. We have no indication that the prophets were called to do this. It was not to message to the other Israelites. It was not to an angel to do this. Jonah was called upon to give this message. And the message was very specific. And the message was, arise, go to Nineveh. I can almost imagine Jonah saying, did I hear you right? Would you pass that one by me again? I could not possibly, maybe I, Maybe I didn't understand what you were saying. Now, I'm speculating, obviously. But there was a very specific designation. Not nebulous. It wasn't just go east, wherever you want to go. You've got to go to Nineveh. So the message was very specific. Arise and go to Nineveh. Although God may not speak to you exactly the same way he spoke to Jonah... He has revealed his will for you through his word. Uh, occasionally somebody will say this, well, I obey the Ten Commandments. And then you ask them the question, well, can you name the Ten Commandments? And they come up with maybe two or three of them. 
and you wonder, do they really know the Bible? And then I sometimes will say this to surprise them. Are you realize there's over 1,000 commandments in the New Testament that God wants us to obey? Approximately 1,100. Really? I didn't know that. Now, I realize some of them are somewhat repetitious or they're different nuances, but there are a lot of commands that God wants us to have. For instance, for husbands, it's yeah, we know husbands are supposed to love their wives, but there's another command on the other side, don't be bitter against your wife. Or you should dwell with them according to wisdom. And then there's other issues, and we're supposed to put away anger. And, of course, you have honoring your parents as part of the the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, children are supposed to do that. There are many different commands in the New Testament. But as God shows you what you're supposed to do, you should do it. You should obey the Lord and follow Him, trust in Him. We are called upon to love even our enemies. That's a tough one. We're supposed to always tell the truth. Yes, never to lie one to another. We're supposed to repent of sin. We're supposed to forgive others. Have you ever been in contact with somebody? You said, I really don't want to forgive him. But I have to. I will be good. I have to. And your spirit is wrong. And you need to get that back in check again. There's going to be people that, you know, just, I don't think I can do this. And you're probably right in of yourself who can't. But then you realize how much God has forgiven you. And you say, I want God to continue to forgive me. And he said, Jesus said, if you don't forgive men, you're or trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And I think, well, I want the Lord to keep forgiving me, so I need to forgive others as well. There are different commands, but as God shows you in his word what you're supposed to do in his strength, in his guidance, you obey it. Now, Jonah is giving a, given a very specific command. He is supposed to go to the city of Nineveh, and he's supposed to go to them to give him a message. And that message is a difficult one. Even when the task is more difficult than you would like it to be, obey. All right? So not just when the message comes forward, but even when it's a tough task. How difficult was it for Jonah to, to even think about going to the city of Nineveh? Could I read you just a little bit about the history of this particular city and the Assyrians? Here's a king, King Asher Nashbal II, graphically illustrates how inhumane the Assyrians could be toward captives such as the Israelites. Here's a quotation. I stormed the mountain peaks and took them. In the midst of the mighty mountains, I slaughtered them. With their blood, I dyed the mountain red. The heads of their warriors I cut off, and I formed them into a pillar over against their city. I flayed all the chief men who were, had revolted, and I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I walled up within the pillar. Some I impaled upon the pillar on the stakes, and others I bound to stakes round about the pillar. In ancient records of Assyria and Babylonia, they bragged about it evil, wicked, beyond words of description. And this is just one of many different historical records of how wicked these people were, in particular against the Israelite people. 
So let's kind of get the context here. It's not like Jonah is going to go over to the neighboring village of some people he knew that probably would, you know, just like they're just nice, you know. These were bad people. And God says, go. And that's going to be a tough one. Have you noticed that at times God gives us difficult choices to make? Mm. Yeah, some are tough. Some are really hard. Probably none of us have had to go to people maybe like Jonah was commissioned to go to. But there are times maybe when you feel like that, how could I possibly love them? How could I possibly have it? And you, you begin to think this is an impossible mountain to climb over. It's too high. But you're supposed, still supposed to be obedient to it. Wow. Love the one who loves you? That's pretty easy. Love those who be, don't really have too much relationship with you? Well, maybe yes, but love your enemy? Jesus said we are called upon to love our enemies. Ah, no, that can't be right. It is right, it is correct, and is what God wants. Well, the people to whom Jonah is sent are wicked people, very wicked people, so much more so that it's understandable why Jonah was saying, I'm not going to go there. The message to Jonah to deliver is indeed difficult. The content of the message is repentance and judgment. So he's not going to tell him, you know, in those pious platitudes, well, you're, you're not really that bad and God really loves you and everything will just be fine if you just kind of change a couple small things. This is a tough one. I mean, John the Baptist was the New Testament equivalent in some respects of the message because he had to say some pretty tough things and he ended up getting his head cut off. Now, I realize that was after Jonah, but nevertheless, I can't imagine Jonah not thinking, they're going to flay me alive. Why would it go there? It's a very difficult decision. And so here he's called upon... And you look, if you look at the passage of Scripture there, it's, <clears throat> you'll see what kind of message that he was supposed to give to them in chapter 3. We'll come to this later on. But in chapter 3 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the preaching I bid thee. And, say, and, and then if you go down a little bit, verse 4 it says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the kind of message that Jonah was called upon to give. God's going to judge you. God's going to judge you. I, there's question about, was well, the message more than this, more extensive than this? I can't say. Um, but nevertheless, the heart of the message was, you better get things right because God's going to come. He's going to judge you. Now, how did Jonah respond to this command? Uh, fear. Boy, when God tells us to do things, sometimes fear can grip our hearts as well. And excuses can fill our mind, and God gives a tough assignment to us. Are you struggling with obeying God? Are you struggling with God, obeying God? Now, let's kind of go through a little bit more of the stories as we develop this. You should obey God. Yes, 
when the message comes to the Lord, you know this is what the Lord wants. You should obey God even though the task might be very, very difficult. And you know only God can help you to obey him. But especially when the chastening process begins. All right? What happens? Just to kind of remind you of the story, Jonah goes the opposite direction, hundreds of miles the opposite direction. And it isn't very long into this journey when he's trying to run from God. He should have known better. After all, he did know the scriptures. Uh, you could see that in Jonah chapter 2. He knew the scriptures, but somehow he lost sight of this. Forgot that God was watching. But anyway, he flees. He goes, and as he goes, pays the money, goes down into the ship, you know, and whatever, and a huge, tempestuous storm comes up. I mean, this is just not little breeze. I mean, this is... Bad, so bad that these, these very seasoned mariners are fearful of their life. They're used to storms, but this is a, a really spectacular one. And I mean this a standpoint like, we're going to die. God uses nature to get the attention of Jonah. God sends this great wind, a mighty tempest, and he sends along a great fish, a hungry fish, you might say. And here we have God using nature to get Jonah's attention. Uh, the hurricanes that would come up sometimes are so fierce, many ships have been discovered uh, <clears throat> throughout the years, people trying to find these ships and so on, where they've gone down, but you're talking about winds that fears 100 miles per hour, 130 miles per hour. Hurricane's not unusual for that. Uh, this, is, this is a big problem, okay? God uses sometimes nature to get people's attention. And he can do that with you or I if we disobey him. And God uses people to get the attention of Jonah. He uses the captain of the ship. The captain of the ship says, finds out that this man, whoever it is, stranger or something like that, he's asleep. So the captain of the ship comes down and says, what's going on? Whatever, in so many words. And uh, well, I just can't understand why Jonah is sleeping. Is he too tired? He's just depressed. I, I don't know. He's apathetic. He's sleeping. Everybody else is crying, wailing, thinking, well, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive. He's asleep. The mariners, of course, get involved, and they, they are concerned about it, and they decide to eventually cast lots to find out where it comes from, and guess what? The lot falls upon Jonah, and God's using even people to get Jonah awake from his sleep, not just his physical sleep, but his spiritual apathy. Now, in our setting, obviously, on his ship at storm. Hopefully you'll never have that experience. But if we stray away from God, cannot God use nature to get our attention? Yes. Cannot, cannot God use people to get our attention? Sometimes a spouse, mate, and say you're going the wrong direction. I don't think this is the right thing. Parents can bring the attention to their children or grandchildren. Please don't go that way. 
don't go that direction. Sometimes it can be even a child can say that to a parent. I've heard parents who started to go astray and the child says, don't you think we need to go to church with it? Parents are getting negligent. So they're all different things. And sometimes there even can be pro pastors who say something like, you better get back in line. You're going the wrong direction. That could be either privately or publicly. But God uses people to get our attention. He wants us to follow him. And God wanted Jonah to follow him as tough as the task was. Jonah should have should obeyed. Trust in God, he didn't. And we should be willing to trust God. God uses other undeniable circumstances to get the attention of Jonah. I alluded to the fact that this great fish comes along and just at the right time swallows Jonah. But even as, as we talk about this prior to that, it seems as though this storm all of a sudden, as soon as Jonah is thrown overboard, which almost is a picture of Jonah's when he said, throw me overboard, I'm the cause for it. It's like, like I'd rather die and go to them. So throw me over. We don't know all the implications of that. What would be the chances of him being thrown over, <laughs> overboard in, in this raging storm and survive? Uh, very, very little for sure. Of course, God is the one who's controlled the circumstances and God uses some very, very undeniable circumstances to get Jonah's attention. As soon as he's thrown overboard, whew, the wind's gone. It settles down. It's quiet. But Jonah is just, you don't see anything at this point in time where Jonah is saying, as these mariners are talking to him, I'm wrong, I know I'm wrong, and I, I have to do what God wants, and I'm asking God to forgive me of that. He's not there yet. He says, throw me overboard, and everything will be okay. Still unwilling to go. How stubborn can people get? Sometimes they can get downright stubborn. I remember talking to a man, Mr. Fogel. He wanted, he didn't, he was, he was dying with cancer. I went to visit him, his family members wanted me to talk to him about the Lord. They told him he didn't have very long to live. Um, they wanted me to talk to him, he was very lucid. So I went and talked to him, explained to him about he really needed to turn his life for the Lord have salvation. He said, don't talk to me about that. Now this is in the fall when I'm talking. He says, sometime in the spring, come and talk to me about that. They'd only give him like 10 days to live. Stubborn. Stubborn. I don't, I'm not going to say what kind of ethnic background he was, but I think he was a, well, shall I say it or not? No, I won't say it. But nevertheless, he was stubborn. And by the grace of God, God touched his heart. And not too long after I talked to him, he decided he was going to accept the Lord in his life. And his niece, who originally got in contact with him, she said, every day I would go see him. He wanted, he wanted to have the Bible read to him. And when he died, he made the choice. He wanted to have the Bible in the casket laying on top of him to show that he believed in the Lord. But boy, was he stubborn. 
And I can name more than just 10 people I know who stubborn when it comes to salvation. A lot more than that. Still don't want to hear it. But I tell you what, there are Christians who sometimes get stubborn as well. And you need to go and talk to that person you have a problem with and not just tell everybody else about the problem. Well, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm not perfect. And I said, you really need to do that. And they refuse to try to get the problem worked out according to biblical ways. I had one man, professing Christian, as far as I know he was, he says, I had, he tells me about an injustice happened to him, and he says, I'm a bitter man, he says, and I will be bitter until I die. This is a professing Christian. So although I'd like to be able to say all Christians don't run from God, there are some who do, and they need to see God wants everyone to yield. Tell, tell you an account happened years ago. This some ways will date me. I mean, that all people probably understand what I'm saying. But I lived through the era where hitchhiking was a common practice. It was not a no-no. All right? How many of you, how many of you have either hitchhiked or saw somebody hitchhike along the road? How many of you? All right, okay. You understand what I'm talking about. So I, I like to talk to people about the Lord, and I thought, well, if I pick them up, I, I have a captive audience, so I can preach to them. Well, not, not preach formally, but this is an opportunity. I'm doing them a favor. They can do me a favor, and they can hear a little gospel presentation. So some years ago, I'm a little hesitant about doing that now. Today, of course, people have cell phones that can help and so on. I saw these two young boys hitchhiking. Oh, great. Now I got some fun to do. So I picked them up, and uh, these two young teenagers were sitting back there, and I asked them a couple questions and stuff like this, and I started to talk to them about Jesus and how they could, you know, follow the Lord and stuff like that. And they, one of them said this. One of them says, Oh, no. I said, what, what, what's, what's up? They said, we just, we were in New Jersey. I was in Pennsylvania. We were in New Jersey. We were at a Christian camp, and they kept telling us that we need to give our life to God, and we just ran away from that camp, and you pick us up, and you tell us the same story. What's the French expression? Deja vu is <laughs> coming back. Present day Jonas, and I've seen a few others like that as well, where people are just running from God. They know what they should do, or they know what they shouldn't do, and they do it anyway. Here's this. If you are a child of God, truly a child of God, God loves you with a love way beyond understanding, and he will chasten you. If you run from New Jersey to Pennsylvania and a preacher picks you up, I was a student pastor thing at the time, guess what? God's going to follow you along. Well, I'll go to some other part of the world. 
You can't get away from God who loves you. He wants to nudge you back into his pathway again. He wants you to be surrendered to him. And Jonah, Jonah, why are you doing this? And in a sense, God's saying, I'm not going to let you get away with this, Jonah. Because when you get on this ship going in the opposite direction, I'll give you a lesson. I'm going to bring a big, life-threatening storm. You'll be, whoop, waking up, woke up. What's correct English? I don't know. You get the point. And I'm going to, I'm going to have these heathen mariners. I'm going to have them warn you. You're going to have an opportunity. And then... If you don't obey, you're going to have been thrown in the sea, and I'm going to just keep on chasing you until you give in. Now, there is the bright side of this. We're going to see next week, Joan and Fish College. But God doesn't want us to have to go into Fish College before we learn a lesson of obedience. You know what you need to do. You know you should be reading the scripture. You know you should be sharing Christ with you. You know you should love your enemy. You know you should, you know, just have a right spirit and forgive somebody. I mean, you know. Don't run from God. Because God knows where you're at. And he wants you to be yielded, yielded completely to him. How do you respond to God's word and his will? Where he leads me, I will follow. And I hope you're willing to follow this wonderful. The first place to start with, I mean, to follow God, is giving your heart to him and his wonderful salvation. Come to him and say, God, I want you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe in your son, Jesus. And I, I'm giving myself completely. I want you to forgive me. And God is willing to save us and forgive us from all the sins that we've ever done. Isn't that marvelous? It's not marvelous that we've done a lot of sin, but it's marvelous that he's willing to save us. You call upon the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive you. Oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. That's not it. Well, I'm going to get baptized. Well, that's not it. What? No. First of all, it starts with giving our heart to Jesus. And then once we do, every day, God shows us something. Or every week, whenever God shows something, it's all right, I'll do it. Oh, it's I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust God. That's the direction God wants us to go. Don't follow the pattern of Jonah. God loves you so much. He'll keep chasing you until you get back on track. Heavenly Father, these are sobering reflections of a prophet who's going the wrong way, but help us, Lord, to, to learn from this, Lord, and even though you give us some things to do that are so tough, but yet you enable, you enable us and give us the strength to do it. We can't, Lord. We know that through your help, we can. I pray for those who are here that maybe are not certain of eternal life. May they put their trust in you. Lord, please, dear God, may they understand your wonderful salvation in just a prayer way. And for believers, Lord, they be surrendered to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed. Your eyes.